Welcome to the Messiah Podcast. We are so glad you tuned in today. Whether you are driving, doing chores, or taking a walk, we hope the Lord quiets your head and your heart to hear truth and be challenged through His Word. Without further ado, let's dive into the message. Well, hey friends, I'm uh, Matt Lidicanon. Really good to be here with you. And if you just walked in through the door and you were late, that's okay. You're welcome. You're glad, and we're glad that you're here. And if this is your first time today, uh, super glad you're here. This is, a, this is a special place. I've, I'm really new here, actually. So we're in, like, very uh, mutual places. This is nice. And for those of you who are online today, a really warm welcome to you. And all those who are tuning in, maybe for the first time, a special warm welcome to you as well. Um, just, I'm just, I, mean, just gonna, I know we prayed just now. I just want to pray again because prayer is good. And we get to encounter the face of our Heavenly Father. So let's just, just fold your hands, bow your heads with me. God, thank you for the chance to be here for the chance, uh, despite the snow, um, to be present in this place. And I'm praying, Lord, for your presence to fall, for your spirit to fall upon me, to fall upon us, and that the, uh, the enemy may have no place here, and that the meditations of our hearts and the words of Miles would be pleasing in your sight, O oh, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I'd love to prompt you to take out your phones or just take out your Bible that you have with you. We're going to look at Luke chapter 1, and we'll visit that in a little bit. You'll get a chance to look at those verses as, you, as we go through today. But yeah, verse 26 is where we're going to start. So verse 26, Luke chapter 1. But first, the story. So when I was in seminary, uh, I had a very, from the very beginning, I was like, I want to plant a church. And the reason I wanted to plant a church was because from the very beginning, I had heard sometime in college that the most effective way to reach people who are far from God and don't have a relationship with Jesus was to start a church. Did I know anything about starting a church? No. But I wanted to. And I was like, sign me up. This sounds great. And so uh, when I got there at seminary, first year, straight out of college, hadn't done anything, no life experience whatsoever, I got there and I went through this church planner assessment program. I figure out my personality, my gift set, my skills, all these different things. And I was graded on a green, yellow, red light scale. All of us were. Over the course of the weekend, we went through this whole, whole process. And at the end of it, I was red lighted. That, that's bad, right? That if you can, if you can infer context clues, it's not a great thing. So I thought, okay, that's it. I'm not meant to be a church planner. And I put it out of my mind for the rest of my seminary career until I got back from my third year of an internship uh, at King of Kings in Omaha, Nebraska. And I got an email from a pastor in the St. Louis area saying, you were, given to, you were on a short list that was given to me by a professor at seminary of individuals that might be good candidates to explore a church planning call. I was like, really? <laughs> Last time I heard that wasn't happening, right? And so I'm like, God, what are you doing? And so I, I looked at this opportunity. It seemed like a good opportunity to kind of test the waters and see. And I got to be honest with you, that experience was not great. I was a full-time student. I was working part-time on seminary maintenance. I was uh, writing a sermon, preaching a sermon every single week, leading the Saturday night service that I was starting there. And I was overwhelmed. I remember after one Saturday service, I was, I, I think I preached a real stinker of a sermon. I was just sitting on the stage. I was just like, head in my hands, just like really just overwhelmed. I could not 
I didn't want to keep doing this. And one of my, uh, one of the other field workers, one of the seminarians there, just kind of carelessly said, well, if you can't handle this, probably can't handle church planning. I was like, heart just, like, just crashed into the pit of my stomach. And I drove home that night with my wife, Nissa, and I'm just like, if this is church planning, I don't want to do it. And I got out of that 10-week-long thing, and I got to the other church that I was field working at. They're like, what would you like to do here? I was like, as little as possible. That'd be great. I've gotten my, my, my experience. I'm happy. But I was walking across the field. I still felt like God was inviting me, like, hey, I haven't forgotten about this church planning. What do you think? I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't sound like fun. And I tried to sort out, like, is it the experience or is it church planning? And I just felt like as I was walking back from class one time across the ball field to my apartment, I remember just feeling like it's God's calling me. This is clarity. And I felt like Moses, I know you all have been looking at Moses' life in chapter 4 of Exodus. He says, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you've spoken to my servant, and I am slow of speech and tongue. And so I felt like that. Lord, I don't know how to do this. And if you want me to do this, you better provide a coach or something like that because I don't know what's going on or how to do it. And in time, he did. In more ways than one. And in 2017, I was sent to Hoboken, New Jersey, across the river from New York City to start a church. Now, you might not have ever received a call to plant a church. And I don't want to say that that's impossible, because there may be some of you in this room who think, that might be me. But God does this, right? And he doesn't have to do it with church stuff. There is no sacred, secular divide. God invites us into things that we don't expect. He invites us to do things that we never thought we would be doing. And the time comes eventually when he invites us into something new, into something scary. And new is scary because new involves change, it involves risk, it involves the unknown. And we don't like that. And as we think about that opportunity that God's saying, like, maybe this is something you could consider. Like, you think all these questions, and all the questions are coming that don't have answers. And you're just like, I don't want to move forward on this because there's so much that I don't know. So maybe God has invited you to take a new job. Maybe that job would require you moving away far from family to a place and a context that is strange and different. Uh, Changing schools for your kids. Maybe it's even changing careers entirely to another field. That means I have to go back to school and I have to figure new th- and learn new skills. And maybe you, as a, as a high school student, you're thinking, I'm going to a new college. I'm trying to find the right school. And I don't know if this is right for me. Maybe it's too expensive. Maybe it's too far away. Is God going to provide for this as we go and as I go? Or maybe... God has spoken to your heart. You've been coming here. You've been coming to a church for a while. And you're just like, I think God is inviting me to follow him and place my faith in him as my savior. But I'm not sure. Or perhaps God's called you to get involved with this church, with the nonprofit, with one of the many ministries that are here at Messiah. And with that comes a certain amount of 
investment, right? It comes with risk and uh, time and maybe even money. The call of God interrupts our normal status quo life. This is the moment in our lives that Joseph Campbell and his A Hero's Journey, or The Hero's Journey, calls the call to adventure. It's that point in every movie and book that you love that everything's fine until. (laughs) And how we respond to his call to adventure changes everything. And Mary had a call to adventure. So let's look at that. Chapter 1, verse 26, we start. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. So as you may know, the New Testament was written in Greek. In the original Greek, the word for greatly troubled is diatarasso. And that, that word kind of carries this connotation of a turbulent sea. If you can picture in your head, turbulently, there's winds, there's white caps, but it's not just the surface of the water, right? It's actually the, the, the underwater realm. Like, it's just the entire thing is being stirred up. It's like a mixing bowl, just kind of stirred and agitated and distressed. And I feel like if you can put that into a person's experience, you're, I think, just picture dry mouth, uh, the beating of a heart, a heart against your chest, a little bit of a nervous sweat starting a little bit, uh, all, all sorts of feelings of anxiety and uncertainty and trouble. And that is what we need to see when we look at Mary in this passage. We, don't, we should not see her in her kind of Mary in blue, kind of reclining, all relaxed and chill. Ah, Gabriel, I was expecting you. Thank you for coming. That's not what she's doing. I mean, she's genuinely like... Oh my goodness. Yeah, like no one expects an angel when an angel comes. Same thing for Mary. It's that kind of, it's that moment, uh, it's the call to adventure, that moment that reminds me of that scene in Harry Potter, the Sorcerer's Stone. If you've seen that movie, uh, Hagrid comes and finds Harry on that ramshackle cabin in the middle of the ocean with the Dursleys, and he busts down the door, lights a fire in the hearth, and he says to Harry, You're a wizard, Harry. And he's like, I can't be a wizard. I'm just Harry, right? I mean, that's what Mary is. She's like, oh, favored one, the Lord is with me. I'm just Mary. I'm just a girl from a nowhere town in Galilee being pledged to be married to Joseph. I'm not special. What are you talking about? And so since Mary doesn't immediately respond with a hello back to Gabriel, he responds by continuing his message. He says, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you've found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angels answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Isn't that amazing? That's a loaded sentence. 
You will conceive and bear a son, son of the Most High, throne of his father David. Kingdom will have no end. And of all of the things, granted that that's a lot, and there's one thing that's kind of significant for all those other things to happen, but Mary's one small, tiny little rebuttal is, okay, but I don't, I'm not married, and I can't get pregnant. And that's amazing. Like, I just, I think it's like, there's all these things. Throne of his father, David, son of the most high. Yeah, but I can't get pregnant. Like, I mean, that's like, is, it, wouldn't you add some other things if you were married? Like, how could I be pregnant? And also all of these things take, the place, take place. But you get this impression that she's just like, okay, I'm ready. One thing though, right? And I feel like it's like Moses when he says that, he's, and he complains, I'm slow of speech and tongue. I think it's the objection we all have when God calls us out to something that we conceive of as being like impossible. or like that's, that's why there's a lot of roadblocks in order for that to happen. And we say, God, I can't do this, and here's why. But I think Mary is unlike Moses and unlike many of us. When you get the sense that she's not saying no, she just needs some explanation of how that big thing needs to happen and is going to happen. But notice how Gabriel responds. He doesn't tell Mary that God's going to respond to her incomprehension by explaining things or by making her happy or by making her feel better about what God is calling her to do. Instead, in answer to her confusion, Gabriel just tells her that God's power is going to overshadow her. The promise Mary receives is not that God's exceeding power will make her life easy, understandable, or painless. Instead, she is promised that he will call her to participate in a work so holy that it will bring her to the very edge of herself every day. And she has promised that God's power will cover her and uphold her precisely there. Mary has been called the model for all Christians and the one who provides a pattern for the Christian faith. And I think that is absolutely true in so many ways throughout her life. The little snippets we get in the Gospels about what Mary does, says, and believes. But I would say that it is especially true like this. Friends, you may not have God's will announced to you for your life by an angel from heaven in your room. If that does happen, I would love to know. But what you do have, the same as Mary, is this. The promise that God's power will overshadow you. And that his presence will go with you. No matter where his will takes you, no matter the twists and the turns that that will may have in your life, his power and his presence will overshadow you. Always. And the Spirit of Christ will be with you. He doesn't promise ease or comfort, he doesn't. But he does promise the peace of his presence. During Jesus' last night with his disciples, he promises them in John 14. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. 
You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus has already called you out under the greatest adventure of your life. And maybe he is in right now calling you out on the greatest adventure of your life to believe in him and to follow him as his disciple. And that inherently comes with a lot of different risks and uncertainties. And his promise is that he is going to give you, he has given you, the spirit of his presence, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Christ. Mary carried the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, in her womb for nine months. What an honor, a unique honor that was. But we all, as followers of Christ, carry within us the presence of the third person of the Trinity. The Almighty God is in us always forever. From the moment we believe. And his presence and his power overshadows you constantly and continuously. When the adventure of following Jesus becomes hard, he's there. When your faith in Jesus becomes lukewarm, he's there. When he's inviting you to take the next step in your faith journey and be challenged, he's there. When he invites you to take a risk, take a new job, enter a new context, he's there. Even when God's call becomes so hard that it brings you to the very edge of yourself and beyond it, God's power will cover and uphold you precisely there. So God may be calling you out on a step of faith today. And Pastor Ed has told me that it may be that God is calling this church to take a step of faith out in the wild and unknown territory, and as I've gotten in my short time of getting to know Messiah, that seems like something you do fairly well. That doesn't make it easy. So let me offer three lenses through which you might discern whether it really is God calling you out or not. So number one, we know it's God's will through commanding Scripture. It says that God's word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. God's word reveals his will for our lives. It calls us to serve in our vocations as parents, to be, our, to be children, good children to our parents, to be in our vocations and in our jobs, and to be good employees. It calls us to love our neighbors as ourselves. It calls us to love God and to serve one another. It calls us to share the gospel. And so the first place to go when you think God might be calling you into something is to go to his word. And, to say, and just to see, is, is this, does this line up with who God is, with what God's will is, generally speaking? Does this seem like it would fit? And if so, check that box. Number two, we can discern God's will by his compelling spirit. Jesus says to us that my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. We know the shepherd's voice. You know his voice. He has spoken to you. He has called you. It's one of the reasons you're here. But the the best and biggest way to get to know his voice even better is to read the Bible regularly. Immerse yourself into that book. Be walking with Jesus on a regular basis. Be walking with your God on a regular basis because when you get to know him, you get to know his character. You get to know his voice. You get to know his mannerisms. You get to know him like a person because he is a person. And so, 
as the expression goes, if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck, right? And not to compare God to a duck, but if it looks like the Holy Spirit, sounds like the kindness of Jesus, and feels like the tender-hearted compassion of your Heavenly Father, then it's probably him. Number three, way to figure out God's will is the counsel of the saints. Proverbs 11, verse 14 says, Where there's no guidance, the people falls, but in an abundance, in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. So when you're preparing to make a big decision, and you feel like God's invited you out and to do something, and you're just going to, you know, put all your chips in, basically— don't do that by yourself. That's what Proverbs says. In an abundance of counselors, there's safety. So go and talk with people. People who are in the word. People who know Jesus and who hear his, good, who hear his voice. Just as you do. People who love you. Who are wiser than you. Who, are spirit, who can give you spiritually minded advice and can maybe give you their thoughts about which way you should go. Oftentimes it is through his people that the Spirit speaks, and he can speak volumes. Listen to them. All of these things can be tremendously helpful. But here's the rub. Even though you can maybe check the box on all these things, you're never going to get 110% clarity. Sometimes you get really dang close, but honestly, I think it usually gets like that 80%, 90% certainty that this is what God is leading us into. And then the next 10%, you're just like, well, here we go. That's what you got to do. Because God's grace is going to support you and carry you in that 10, in that 20, in that 30%. Remember, you can't go anywhere that his presence and his power will not overshadow you. So as you think about what God's inviting you into, what if you make a mistake? What if you got it wrong and it sounded good, but that maybe it's not what you thought it was going to be, or maybe you messed it up, it doesn't go as you had planned? Yes, even there, his power will overshadow you. His grace will be sufficient for you, for his power will be made perfect in your imperfection. And even there, he will work all things to the good of those who love him, according to his purpose. Let's pray. God, you call us out into adventures unknown and things unseen. We don't always know where we go or whether we should. We pray, Lord, that you would grant us trust in your power, in your presence, 
and your overshadowing, just as you did for Mary, just as you assured her with the power of your presence and the comfort and the peace of your spirit, Lord. May we go in the way that you're calling us. Lead us, Holy Spirit. Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for your everlasting love. No matter where we go, no matter what we do, no matter what decision we make, even there your hand will lead us and your power will overshadow us. We thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you are challenged and encouraged to walk in truth in your everyday. Please share with friends and family, and we can't wait to have you next time on the Messiah Podcast.